Welcome to today's episode of Fire in the Belly. This is where we get to hear some pretty inspiring stories from some amazing people. You know, it's always an absolute pleasure to sit down, take time out and have a warts and all conversation about their journey. I'm always intrigued by what it's taken for people to get to where they are today. And hopefully in this interview, we get to hear some more about that. From this, my mission is to help people to find their own fire in their belly. And from that, to live the mightiest version of you. So without further ado, sit back, relax, and enjoy today's guest. Success is a process, not an event. Good morning, welcome to today's edition of Fire in the Belly. Today we are lucky enough to have Kim Calvert here uh, joining us today. And um, Kim, good morning, thank you for good coming. Good morning, Pete. It's so great to be here. Thank you very much for having me. No, and uh, so Kim, give me a quick background about you. I mean, where do you come from and... Who are you? Well, what do you do well, today? Well, Pete, um, my name's Kim, and uh, essentially I'm a high-performance mentor. Okay. Um, so I work alongside uh, Bob Proctor, who's one of the leading experts. He's America's number one prosperity teacher. Well. And uh, I'm actually his number one consultant in the world, teaching people how to become uh, unstuck and how to really move from where they are to where they want to go, looking at the science and principles of the mind and really looking at the root cause of results, where they come from, um, and really helping people achieve goals, uh, maximize their potential, and really help them achieve anything that they want, whether that is personal or professional. Okay. Sounds easy. Great. Yeah, it's super <laughs> easy, and I get to do it all over the world with lots of different uh, corporations, individuals, athletes, you name it. Um, whoever really has that desire to want more, okay, that would be my ideal. Well, that's that's quite interesting. The desire for more, and obviously the the, the topic of this is fire in the belly. Absolutely. Um, have you heard of the term fire in the belly before? Before you have I. Um, I don't think so, but um, I love it, and I think it, it says so much in just a few words. Um, probably for me, it, it makes me think of one word, which is desire, mm. um, and that would be the first word that would pop into my mind in the sense of... What's the first desire we've had? Yeah. I'd say that. Oh, really? so, yeah, yeah, Good. The first time. Yeah, awesome. Love it. Well, yeah, that was a, I think that's where that comes from, that burning desire and Ooh, that okay. fire in the belly. I think that's why those two, for me, go together hand mm-hmm. in hand, and that's certainly what I have and uh, what most of my clients would have as well, that real drive to want to be more, have more, do more, and be that fuller expression really of themselves. Well, that's be a fuller expression of yourself. That's that's quite something. Well, that's the meaning of desire. Desire is a trigger, okay. trigger mechanism to all action, which lies in your subconscious mind. So the more that you can resonate with that connect with that then that will then propel you into taking the action required okay that makes sense mm-hmm. and is this something you're born with yeah pretty much what i mean okay. well lots of people have different thoughts on this mm. um i believe we're all born with uh whether we call it a fire in the belly whether we call it a burning desire i think it's it's our duty on this planet to discover how you want to be that fuller expression of yourself. So um, I think everyone has it, but I don't think everybody is aware of it. And I think that, especially for me and my, my I suppose my path on this planet is to help people connect to that. Okay. I think everyone at a, a very, 
at some level, I think everybody knows they're on this planet for a purpose. Okay. Um, but what I see is that if it's not written on a post-it note in front of your face, <laughs> we tend to then make it a lot more difficult than what it should. And we think that because we don't know what it is, then we are stuck. When actually you've just got to discover what you want that to be. That would be how I would see that. Okay. That's that's really quite evolved thinking. I mean, I, I would yeah. Just for the for the benefit of the listeners, I would say I I have been through your program. Yeah. So I'm I'm going to try and keep this sort of um, sort of at a, a ground level for people. Sure. So because not everyone will be aware of the Absolutely. program and yourself and all the rest. You know? I'm glad so, you can do that, Pete, because I probably won't be able to. Ask <laughs> <laughs> the silly question. Yeah, generally that, that, that's me all over. So, um, wow. Well, okay. So. In this current shape and form, how long have you been doing this then? I've been doing this uh, four years okay. in and around that, half, wow. three and a half, four years, yeah. Um, and I suppose just off the back of what you've just said, a lot yeah. of people can hear some things that we say and be very like, oh, that is very evolved thinking or mm. that's very different. or Whereas I suppose where I come from, I feel mm. that that is the norm for me um, and I feel that well I'm no different to anybody else so actually it's just that we've heard more about people being stuck or people you know random people making it and I, I just mm. think everyone can make it and we need to just turn our perception on all of that so essentially whilst I am aware uh, consciously aware of different things that maybe other people aren't it wasn't always like that, and if I can become aware of those things, then everybody can. So for me, it's it's I feel that I'm this person, and my find the belly, my purpose, my burning desire is to help waken people up one thought at a time. So it's bridging that gap. I would never be the person, you know, I know it all. Come and speak to me, and don't speak to anybody else. I think everybody has the right to become aware that they are capable of discovering the fire in the belly mm. and then capable of keeping it lit essentially capability is an interesting term yeah is it fair to say we're we're all capable of more oh a hundred million percent okay yeah and i mean it baffles me why sometimes people don't think that that's possible because if we're all born into this planet the exact same yeah and we are then trained or conditioned through our own lifetime experiences to know things that maybe, you know, I don't know. Like you're gonna know a lot of things that I have no idea about. Whereas I will know a lot of things that maybe you've no idea about. So sure. it's our life experience and path that is going to, you know, give you that experience. But uh, essentially anybody can go down any path. We're born mm. with infinite ability. We are energy and everything is created from energy. Mm -hmm. And we've got uh, higher mental faculties and tools in our own consciousness that we can use to tap into that and create it. Simple. I don't know why <laughs> nobody gets it. <laughs> of course. I was going to say, we're going, we're going, it's like going off the top diving board Absolutely. straight away, which is great. That's what it's all about. Simply put, your thoughts become things. Okay. So one of the standard questions we have is, you know, fire in the belly. Um, you know, when you recognize it, well, I mean, typically people see it as an energy source within inside them. Yeah. You know, something, a fuel. A feeling, yeah. A feeling. They're usually like, I can feel this thing. Yeah. So do you think that's something you're, you're born with? Which part? 
Okay. The feeling or like the desire to do something? Well, I'm going to say both. Okay. Well, I feel that we're all born for a purpose. Okay. I feel that we have the ability to choose, we free will to choose what we put our energy on. There's, sure. We're not we're not told on birth, you must go down this path. Mm. However, again, life experience tends that sometimes that does happen. Uh, parents will guide children in what they mm. think is best. So, But I do believe that we have free choice to choose. Okay. And essentially, whatever we focus and put our attention on will expand. And that is the fundamental laws of, of science, quantum physics, nature. Um, so essentially, the energy's there. It's just whatever you direct your attention on what you put the energy on. So you're born with the energy? Yes. Okay. And to be clear, I suppose, would you see fire in the belly as an energy? Is that is it one and the same as you say, or is it different? Um, every, I think everyone will, will say something maybe differently. I believe it is. I mean, fire in the belly is words, and they are words to give anybody a meaning to bring up a picture in their mind mm. and we use words to create pictures um so essentially you know we we call this paper but it's only because the energy uh, the build-up is is made of paper but this used to be wood and we called it a tree mm. so words will change for me fire in the belly sums up a feeling and again the word fire means heat so that obviously means something quite uh, important um, so everyone has feelings and it's what we then again put our focus on what do, what do I want to call that feeling so some people that are anxious that anxious is the word used for this negative energy building up within them but it's just energy and it's your thinking that makes it either negative or positive. So some people say, well, that's negative, mm -hmm. where actually you could start to change that and make it positive. So fire in the belly, for me, I will choose to see that as a positive, uh, burning desire, a drive, a passion, a purpose. That's what it means to me. Well, that sort of makes sense. I, I think, and this was always the purpose of fire in the belly. It's, it's, I would describe it as an inert source. Yeah. And what you choose to use it for is, yeah. you know, quite often I would say, well, I suppose that's the question. I mean, what what leads you to um, choose how to use that energy? Mm -hmm. I mean, is that where, where do you think that comes from? It'll come a lot from environment. Okay. Um, unless you're aware of how to use your mind yourself. Mm. Okay. And unfortunately, that's not taught in schools. We're not taught how to make decisions. We're not taught how to make money. We're not taught really to think big. We're taught almost to play the safe game, get a okay. job, pay your taxes, save, have a family, and ultimately then you will die. Um, I don't believe that that's life. Life, the whole purpose of life is to live, is to experience, is to enjoy. Um, so I think environmental factors are more important than hereditary. Um, and if you do not know how to consciously focus your energy and your mind and create from this, formless energy which is what it is it has it's taken no form it's within you uh, then it will be taken that little path will be drawn out for you and that's why people need goals okay so this was this your environment when you were growing up and um, no yes and no okay. um essentially i was brought up in a fantastic home with loving parents my dad was an entrepreneur very okay. unconscious competent 
uh, didn't have much schooling, can't spell, can't count, but yet he's a very successful businessman. So, what sort of feel if you don't remember? Um, it, we had our own family department store, so it was oh, ladies' okay. fashions, uh, men's gift shop, restaurant, you okay. name it. Um, so I was brought up in a home where my dad worked very hard and I seen that and um, that I suppose was instilled to me um, you got to work hard to make a lot of money okay I was also told you had to be smart and I, I guess there had to be some lies in that because I knew my dad wasn't very smart <laughs> but my mom was a very academic she used to be a PE teacher so she was very very different to my dad polar opposite mm-hmm. uh, okay. very I would say quick to be negative, whereas my dad was very much, it will work out, don't know how it's going to work out, but we'll mm-hmm. figure out a way. So I was one of three. I was the, the baby of the family. Okay. Um, so I kind of was the last to pop out. Um, so my mum and dad's business was already kind of fully formed. So again, I seen different elements of that than maybe what my sisters would have seen. I seen it as it already being, you know, in place. But I did also see that you had to work hard. Um, I really Are you close in age with your siblings or no 15 years apart okay. which was huge so they were off playing with their friends and I was right, just okay. like playing in the garden banging a wall or banging a ball off a wall that's what <laughs> I spent my childhood doing football well, okay. crazy which is quite funny for today yeah yeah I, I do know I was brought up with beliefs that you got to work hard and you got to be smart but there was a very strong element of faith in our home uh, I come from a Christian background and okay. That was always very much just, I always knew from the day I popped out that there was faith, there was God. Now, for me personally, you know, being brought up in a religious home, there was parts of that I didn't like. There was okay. parts of it I did like, but majoritively I, I didn't fully understand why I was supposed to maybe believe things that I believed. So through my years of, of studying this material, really figuring out who I am, where mm-hmm. I come from, what this is all about, has actually strengthened my faith, but to a, a new understanding of what it's all about. So I wouldn't call myself religious. Okay. I would call myself more spiritual. Uh, and I understand to a deeper level of, of what life is really all about. And again, that's from my perception. And sure. Not everybody has to you know, take it from where I stand. But certainly when you bring it back to science and theology, which both believe that we become what we think about, then it's very hard to deny that there's some elements in this. Okay. Well, that's, it's quite enlightened. Very enlightened. Yeah. Good. Yeah. So <laughs> so if we, if we met Manikim, mm-hmm. What sort of a character would we meet? Well, I'm, I'm still about five foot. <laughs> <laughs> okay, many an age. Mini Kim was, I would like to think I was a nice, polite child, but a handful. Okay. I wasn't badly behaved. You say you'd like to think? Yeah. <laughs> I, was, I, wasn't, I wasn't badly behaved at any, like, I never got in trouble, proper trouble. But I was a handful in the sense of when I was at school, I mean, every report card said, very nice young child, but keeps everybody back. Never pays attention and never shuts up. I mean, that was pretty much what I was told throughout school. Um, I always liked to be sociable. Mm -hmm. I was talked to everybody. I had very adult conversations, um, even at a very small age. My mum and dad always told me that. I don't personally remember them, but 
apparently I was always running around kind of just chatting away with the adults and mm. away on business trips to London with mum and dad and there was me sitting talking to all these very important people just about random stuff and they just thought I was adorable so there you go <laughs> I was already getting my entrepreneurial skills up um, but it was very nosy I think that would be what I would have when I look back I can look back and go hmm that's Cur very interesting or nosy both okay I pulled everything apart okay. calculators watches phones computers anything that did something okay I was obsessed to understand why and how does it do that and I knew that wasn't really normal <laughs> I also used to really thrive on asking people tell me to go away and make something and I will go away and make it so example I used to spend a lot of time at my mum and dad's shop over the summer holidays and very boring for a young child so I had to create my own fun and I used to torture the staff and I used to go up to them and say tell me to go away and make something and I promise you no matter what I'll be able to do it so I had some weird innate knowing that anything was possible okay. and that's the only first time I noticed me ever saying it like example one girl I mean she was just up to here with this annoying child that she couldn't get her work done and um, she was like okay go and make a remote control boat knowing fine rightly how on earth I was going to do it. I was like okay and within about an hour I had got a shoe box I had got this little um, hairdryer we doll hairdryer that when you push the button the air comes out I went and got a, a boat and I put the hairdryer in the box I put a hole in the box I put a pen so that when you press the controller it hits the button on the hairdryer and then I put a toilet roll on the end here so that all the air would come out in a straight motion and then I filled a sink full of water and I was so impressed because I was going look I made a remote control boat I didn't make the boat and I, but look it works and I was yeah. doing it and I remember people looking at me like, she needs to get out. <laughs> she needs to get some friends. <laughs> I think I was about, I don't know, eight or nine maybe. Wow. Um, and I did a lot of that, like mm. loads of weird things I made. Um, and I always remember mum and dad thinking that's, there's something about that. She just always knows it's possible. So that's the only thing I can look back. And actually now when you research some of the great, um, and I can't remember off the top of the head, like great people in, in the history books, they were actually the same. Because when I was over at Bob at Artigolich even, he had uh, sections in of these phenomenal people in past years who were very similar, pull things apart and were very inquisitive. So I just, I just take that as a good thing, Pete, and I'm mm. running with it. <laughs> I mean, is is that is that something your your parents encouraged and, and relished and, and, no. and nurtured? Or this is the weird thing. Was I was pretty much ignored, not in a bad way. Mum and Dad were very busy running a business, and I knew to just I knew better stay out of the way. Okay. Um. So, I have no idea why mm. I did that. Um. I even remember at night time. I always loved to be very present and silent mm. and th you'll love this one this makes me even stranger um i remember climbing out my bedroom window quite a lot of nights and I, we had like a roof outside our our, our house uh, like a wee shed and i used to just sit on the shed roof and stare at the stars for maybe an hour before bed every night no idea why i think sometimes i had we like conversations mm. not conversations to an imaginary friend but more just talking out loud and really I suppose now if I was to call it anything it would be almost borderline borderline meditation 
kind of something. But I'd never heard of meditation. And to be honest, that wouldn't really have been uh, an okay thing in our home because it was a very religious, okay. non-aware home. So that would be that would be crazy stuff where yeah. I came from. But there was something calling me to center myself at every time when I felt I needed it. Um, so that center yourself. That's an interesting. Yeah, one. that. I mean, that's me using that word now mm. in this because I would use meditation um, to really realign and get you know connected with my inner being but that's clearly what i was doing back then i just didn't realize it well, okay. which i find interesting and i don't know if it was because mom and dad were busy and you have a, a lonely child looking for something mm -hmm. or because i don't remember ever being sad because i had loads of friends mm. and i wasn't sad or was it just actually me having my best time because mm -hmm. i loved it like i love the looking at the stars i just find it so empowering so that i think it was more of a positive now looking back but i always wonder hmm wonder what that was about i mean as a child would would you say were you self-sufficient or was it totally okay. yeah again you know mainly because of how i was brought up i traveled mm. quite a lot as a as a child going with mom and dad on different business trips so i was a lot more savvy with things i remember going to germany with my uncle one time my uncle is not savvy. Okay. <laughs> He's a typical bachelor who really just needs to be handheld. And I mm. think I was about 12 or 13 and I'm taking him all around Germany, ordering the taxis, getting everything organized. And here's this grown man in his 50s, mm -hmm. you know, don't want to speak to strangers kind of a situation. So, yeah, I was very self-sufficient as a, as a child and had a great childhood. I definitely can't complain. Um, and I just think I was very inquisitive, which I'm glad I was. So if we were to pull up your report card, you're saying, I mean, one was sort of <laughs> curious and chatting. I mean, oh, lovely young person. My business studies teacher said, Kim, you'll not make it in business, but your personality will get you everywhere. Well, and wow, what a statement she made, because in essence, what she said was completely wrong and completely right all at the same time. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's kind of like a pat on the slap at the same time. Isn't, but, it? Yeah. Isn't it? So that, that makes me laugh, especially in business studies. Um, but yeah, my personality was always the thing that, you know, people said, you know, lovely young girl. But when I came to school, my goodness, I struggled. So academic at all? or I mean, I've got grades and I've been to university and I've, I've had my nursing. But I think my GCSEs, I think I got, you know, maybe a couple of A's, B's and C's. Like, we're not hmm. at all bad grades, and, and I don't believe in bad or good. But I know school, for me, was completely pointless. Like, I, wow. I honestly believe that. Um, from what age? Apart from a social element, I do, I did not gain anything, I, I don't think. I could be completely hmm. wrong. I'm dyslexic. I uh, was never picked up. I still don't know my times tables. I mean, you could throw out any multiplication. <laughs> I can't do it, nor do I want to do it. Um, so I didn't even really get English or maths down, Pete, to be honest. <laughs> <laughs> PE, love that. Okay. Uh, so you used the PE then. Yeah, woodwork and all that stuff, loved it. Anything else, absolutely despised and tried to get out of doing it most times. And yeah. Out of curiosity, how does that compare to your siblings? Um... Well, now, the, the question is, Pete, 
are we comparing results or are we comparing grades? Because they're two totally different things. I suppose more to keep it more generalistic in terms of characteristics. <laughs> characteristics. My oldest sister is a school teacher. She's okay. very academic. Uh, middle sister. I wouldn't say she's very academic. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> she's a bit of. We wind her up and say, "Well, don't ask Alana to count or to do anything." But now she is a, a school assistant, so yeah, mm -hmm. that that's interesting. But I think all of us had to just put the work in because that's what we were told, mm. and we all did. So of course when you put the work in you will get the result um and that still is absolutely truth but of course now i know it's it, there, there's a bit more than that if you want to perform at a higher level then you can actually engineer yourself to to do that better so okay. i don't think there was much difference i was the only one went hmm. to university and the only reason i went to university was to get out of Lurgan and I'm not going to lie and everyone knows that so it was oh crap all my friends are going to Belfast mm. uh, I don't want to be left here I'm out of here so that's absolutely hands down why I went to university mm. it was not for the love of teaching <laughs> all quite uh, just a quick observation I suppose mm -hmm. all leadership roles that your siblings all have you know obviously yeah and that would definitely be uh, from my dad um, he would have always had a, a leadership role as well so um, definitely something that we would probably have picked up from him along the way mm. so born and reared in Lurgan mm -hmm. so secondary school then through GCSEs what did you focus on or Nothing, doing as little as possible. <laughs> okay. Between the age of, I mean, I loved primary school. That was great crack. I don't think anybody doesn't like primary school. Uh, high school and college, okay. I wouldn't say anything spectacular or startling mm. happened. I was a happy kid. I went to school, got my exams, went to college, and then decided, yeah, I'm going to go to university and escape the country um so nothing nothing really exciting mm. happened in those years at all so university was where university is queens okay and i studied nursing at queens and um nursing why nursing why nursing okay absolute truth you got paid to do it okay and you didn't have to pay fees and that okay. was absolutely the reason uh, because my only reason for going to university was to kind of run away from home, not for any bad reason, but to explore and to get out there, I then was like, oh crap, well, I better do a course. What I'm going to do a course on at that age, I don't mm. think many young people have a clue what they're supposed to do. So I knew I was a very caring person and mm. I, I knew innately that I wanted to help people. There was that feeling. So I suppose that was the spark to the fire in the belly at that time in the sense of I want to help and I'm good at talking to people. So that that point then I thought, right, okay, hmm, nursing seems like the appropriate box um, because there was no other real options. Mm. And, and I do feel that we kind of go into boxes sometimes and, and because we don't know, we just go, oh, well, that'll do and life's moving and you got to move with it. So I picked nursing. I went into adult nursing at, at the start. Absolutely hated it with a passion. Um, my goodness, it was awful to say the least. So nursing is what, three years? Three years, three yeah. Years, okay. I did my first year in adult nursing. Um, university was okay. I mean, you showed up to lectures as and when you needed to. Um, 
I did struggle with the work because I, I really am not at that. Well, I wasn't at that time self-driven, self-disciplined, so mm. no intention of doing any work. But on the wards, I was fantastic. So mm-hmm. when I got onto the wards, it was like what what the lecturers in uni would see and what the people on the wards would see, two different people. Okay. And my lecturers were cracking up because I never had anything on time and they just knew you have no interest. But then when I would go on placement, I would get glowing reports of, of how good I was with the patients and so on and okay. that that caused lots of fun because in one hand I'm saying well aren't I doing the job right and I'm making a good impact mm. uh, just because maybe I didn't get over 80% in this paper why am I being you know and kind of went down that line so um, that was a fun time mm. um, me and Queens didn't have a great relationship in that respect um, Had your diagnosis, your your dyslexia been picked up at this time? or No, and, and I haven't went and got it formally done either. I just know absolutely mm. without a doubt I have it. Um, but I have no desire to even go and get it. Mm. I mean, at the end of the day, they're going to tell me, okay, yes, you have it, here's a piece of paper that says it. I'm going to change my life. Mm. I don't feel that it holds me back. I don't see it as a negative. I just see it as it is how it is. If I ever felt now in my career that it was holding me back, I will readdress that, but it doesn't. And that's the beautiful part about when you understand how to use the mind. You understand that you can mastermind with other like-minded people and you can get an alliance around you. If you think of um, Henry Ford, you know, who brought the Ford Model T into this world, he was brought to court for being... And I would probably say he was dyslexic, um, but he was actually brought to court for being told he was stupid. And how mm. could you create such an incredible invention? And and they asked him silly questions about history. And he just said back to the man, well, do you know the answer? And the man didn't. And he says, why would I need to keep all these facts that are of no use to me or my purpose? He says, anything I don't know, I press a button and I will find the person that needs it. Same with Andrew Carnegie, knew nothing about steel. But yet he was one of the richest men in the world in the steel industry. So, mm. yeah, I'm going to stick with them, guys. They did well. <laughs> <laughs> so it's almost, so you're saying, you, you know, the practical side seemed to absolutely shine through then? Yeah, I was always very practical. I was always making stuff with my hands, even school, summer holidays. I was building go-karts or tree houses or something outside, doing something. Um, and that's what I loved. So definitely no, never read a book. Um, I only started reading when I started getting into this material and that was only four years ago. Okay. Uh, I'd never read a book in my life and I'm 32 now. So yeah, it was a big change when I started to really get into this material because then mm. I it clicked the fire in the belly and it was roaring. Wow. I wanted to do it and that's why you need the desire behind any action because then you might be doing the action but you're not going to get the reaction if you don't have the energy mm. behind it. Mm. So, nursing, adult nursing, mm-hmm. where do we go then? So, I realized in the first year, did not want to work uh, in the general uh, yeah. area because it was more about physical uh, difficulties. I was more great at talking to the people when they were in getting their you know, leg fixed or whatever. I was more interested in how are you and how's your life? Mm-hmm. <laughs> I was the intense nurse. So what I realized was, yeah, I'm supposed to be in mental health. So I transferred over to mental health nursing. Mm-hmm. Uh, absolutely loved it. I didn't, again, nothing changed with the university. Still didn't like doing the work. But the clients, the experiences, the real... I was always a real 
a lot of action. I tried to get into the police before I went into nursing, uh, but couldn't get past the maths test, so that was never going to happen. <laughs> uh, but I was always that one of, I, I wanted to be on the pulse kind of a situation. So mental health mm. nursing was perfect. Uh, I qualified by the skin of my teeth. Again, my lecturer says, good luck, you'll not last in nursing, and you'll probably, well, you'll never get past a band five, uh, which is your first kind of uh, entry point. So I went, okay, no worries. Well, I mean, I've got it. So you said mm. I wouldn't get it, and I'm a nurse, so yeah. And then, so I still had this very mental attitude, I would say, of just do as little as it takes to get by, and you'll always mm. swing it. I had always got what I wanted, but never knew how I got it. So I was an unconscious competent, okay. but totally unaware of it. And I got that from my dad. When it got to the point where, okay, I'm now a nurse, I'm now band five, I specialized with young people and I loved that. Those first five years working in the regional adolescent unit in Northern Ireland in Ireland was phenomenal. Okay. You were doing everything and everything from, I've saved many, many, many young people's lives. Um, what was dealing that with all sorts, so people jumping off bridges, roofs, uh, different ways of, of young people trying to attempt uh, to complete suicide. So I was the manager of the ward then, so I was actually, um, what's the word, promoted, which was fabulous. And my boss always said to me, Kim, you always know when you're on shift, because when you walk onto the ward, the energy in the ward is totally different. We mm. always know you're in charge. And I always remember hearing that and going, oh, that's nice. Did not have a clue what that meant. Mm. Um, and then there was a girl, a, a good friend of mine, she started to set goals. And mm. I was like, what the hell are goals? And why would you be setting them? Sure, you're in a good job. We were landed. Kind of an attitude. Um, and I was settling, but kind of thought, well, I've got a good job, as everyone talked about. I'm in my band, uh, six-year-old at this point. This is fabulous. I've got further than anybody else, you know. Mm. I don't want anything more, but I'd never thought of anything more. Mm. So when my friend started to think about going for a band seven post, which is the kind of the highest paid post as a working nurse, I thought, oh, well, if she can do that, I can do that. I mean, I want a band seven. So now I was going after essentially the post and what that meant and the money. Sure. And, um, I thought, well, if she can do it, I can do it. Cause she never turned up the class either. <laughs> and, uh, I thought, right. Okay. So, that was the first time I remember people talking about goals and that really left a mark on me. And then I decided I'm going to go after a band seven post. I ended up going with my friend. We both got the job for CAMS, which is a child and adolescent mental health service. So the community team. And uh, I got my band seven post, which was fantastic. And of course, mum and dad, very proud. It's all wonderful. You're at the top earning much more money. It's all great. And then I was there for three years. And that mm -hmm. was probably the three years that really my life took a, a 180 um, in that degree. So once I got that mm -hmm. and once I had stepped on to that path of, I suppose, setting goals and wanting more. How did you set goals? In what way at that time? I just, the only goal I set was that I'm going to get a band seven post. Okay. And that then did you physically write down or is that yeah, just it was a mental I physically wrote it down okay. and i was like okay this is what's going to happen but as soon as i started to write it down and started to set goals it it for me i feel it builds momentum it's mm. it's this 
you've tapped into thinking for a change and you start to think about you and you start to think about what you want and well, what would this mean and yeah. what would my life look like and it gets very exciting. Sure. So the fire in the belly or that purpose, that starts to really build up um, and it did for me. So then I started thinking bigger and I remember when I got my band seven post, I kept saying there's a bigger picture. I don't know what it is, but there's a bigger picture. And I always said that. And um, everyone used to laugh because they're like, oh, there goes Kim again and all her big pictures. And I'm going, there's something big happening. It's to do with young people. It's to do with, with, with setting goals. And I had no clue what it was. So I started drawing. I started writing. And probably within that year, I kind of realized I wanted to help people uh, to a greater degree. Again, what age were you then? Uh, that would have been, I would have been 25, I think, 25, 26. Okay. Um, so I got a big sketchbook, started drawing, started kind of mapping out loads of ideas. Mm. And I was going to open this big building that was going to help young people. And it was going to be workshops. It was going to be all this stuff. Because I was seeing the services that didn't exist um, mm. and that I knew was needed. Because I was the nurse working with very 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 high profile young people young people that when the police came in to deal with were wearing rad gear uh, young people that were being shipped off to england because we couldn't handle them but yet i was the nurse in a tunic who was teaching them how to dance out in a rec hall so the young people loved me so when i especially this one particular girl i brought her out every day and i mean she needed five staff with her at all times except for when she was with me and when she was with me and we went out into this rec hall, just me and her locked in, and she'd injured 17 staff at this point, I had a different girl in that room. I wasn't afraid. She mm. wasn't afraid. We had the best of times. And that's where I really realized, hold on a minute, I'm having a huge impact, and I'm not doing what I suppose I've been trained to do all the time. I'm, I'm out communicating, I'm out connecting, I'm out treating somebody like how I want her to behave instead of kind of zoning around and waiting on the next time that mm. somebody's gonna you know lash out so that really fired it up for me because I knew seeing the results of my clients I knew my, my patients loved being or with me and I knew I was helping people I was the one that got all the disclosures mm. and so on so that's when I really started thinking there's a bigger picture um do you know how you did that do I know how I did what like calmed people down mm. no idea like yeah. and one time that i really then knew i was able to do this was this same young person um had basically taken over the unit uh, along with other young people and my boss who was really my first mentor i really respected this lady she came in and i mean if you knew this woman you know when she's on the ward she wore high heels she was like devils wear prada you just absolutely made sure you were standing up straight you were where you needed to be and everything was done but me and her had a really good connection when she walked onto the ward this girl just ran at her and stopped within just a couple of centimeters in front of her face and i mean she was gonna kill her there was no doubt it really hurt her and i remember seeing it and nobody else went near because it was like uh oh and i just walked very calmly up to the girl put my hand on her shoulder and I remember as my hand touched her I could feel this energy of just just calm down and that's what I was trying to tell her without telling her 
And I just looked at the girl's eyes and I could always tell when people go in and out of psychosis because you'll see the eyes change. And I just says, okay, we're going to count to 10 and we're going to turn around and we're going to walk away. And as I was counting down to 10 and my boss was absolutely quivering, she just turned around and walked away with me. And that was the whole situation dispersed. Whereas that could have actually escalated into something mm. much, much greater. So I really noticed it then. I also noticed it one other time. Like I'm, I, me, I always seem to be in the right place at the right time. Now I know that's how it is for everybody, but sometimes you're just like, universe, give me a break. Because I was driving down the Westlink one time and I'd just come home from a dance class and the Westlink was totally dead. I'm like, what is going on? And then the next thing I see, there's a guy sitting on a bridge and he's going to jump. And I thought, right. And it's like this feeling, voice, knowingness, presence, whatever you want to call it inside me went, Kim, you need to sort this out. And I'm like, let me paint the picture. I've just taught a dance class and I'm not girly at the most of times. But I mean, I had long baggy shorts on, I had brightly colored trainers. I had a baseball cap backwards, I had a baggy Mm t-shirt. And I pulled into the side, and then what I noticed was if this is the bridge, and he's sitting on one side of the bridge, there was about four Land Rovers here with their lights going, policeman standing outside of it. There was TV broadcast at this side of the bridge towards the town, Mm. and there was a a group of youths here shouting jump, and this one guy sitting here. And I pulled off the rest link, and I went over to the policeman with kind of a smirk on my face going, don't ask why I'm wearing this. And I says, okay, what's going on and he says well this guy's gonna jump and I went well I mean a blind man could see that but what what are you doing has anyone asked him is he okay and the man's face was just like no of course we haven't went over and asked him that and I'm going what and I says okay can I go over and speak to him at this point he's looking me up and down going who are you? And I went, okay, I know what I look like. I've just finished a dance class, but I'm actually the, the manager of the regional unit. And as soon as I said the name, he just went, because the police knew our building very well. He radioed through and he came back and he says, okay, our constable says, yes, you can go over, but it's on your own hands. And then at this point I'm going, my boss is going to kill me because now the TV crew's over there. And if anything goes up the left, it was the manager of the adolescent unit. Great. So I went, no problem. So as I walked over to the guy, he twitched and I says, don't panic. I want to speak to you. I don't know you. You don't know me. I don't even know why I'm here. And I definitely don't know why you're here. But I was actually just driving up the West Link and something told me that I need to speak to you. I don't know what that's about, but can I come over and chat to you? And he says, yes. And I walked over and we stood there. I'm sitting leaning over the West Link as cool as anything. And I says, are you okay? And I says, what's going on for you? And he says, that's the first time anyone's asked me that. And that was a big thing. And then we chatted and I says, look, we can get you help. And he says, can you? And we didn't even know we could get help. And we chatted and within a couple of minutes, he was coming down with me and we got him off to the hospital to have a a psychiatric kind of assessment. And I've never seen him since, but I know that I was supposed to be there at that point. So that's kind of situations that I've went through in my lifetime to this date where I've been, ah, I know that wasn't just a coincidence, which Mm. is is lovely. So that was kind of what it it was like. I, I was stepping in and out of 
times where I knew I'm supposed to be here, there's a purpose, there's something greater. It's like, you know, when you, you're trying to think of somebody's name and it's on the tip of your tongue. Mm-hmm. And you go, oh, it's right there. I can hear it. I can see it. I can see the person. But that's what it's like. And that's what I believe it's like for everybody at some point in their life where they almost meet their true selves, but they don't quite recognize them yet. And that is what I'm curious about. That's what I'm passionate about, helping people get really introduced to them, their true selves and then learning how to live on that side of the fence. Well, that's quite strong. I mean, when you when you talk about meeting your true self, mm. is it something you've always known or is it something you've come to know? I think come to know. I, okay. I truly believe that I'm no different and I'll say this time and time and time again. I mean, I'm a very normal person um, and I think normal is not even a great word because, you know, that would make you think there's people that are not normal, but I'm no different. I have no superpowers. I haven't, I haven't been gifted. I haven't had a silver spoon in my mouth. Yes, I had a lovely home, a lovely upbringing, but I could still be sitting and nursing. Mm. And it was because of those feelings that knowing that feeling of something and when you don't know what something is it's very hard to explain it Mm. like if you've if you'd never seen a pen in your life Mm. and i put that into your hand and let you see it and let you touch it you wouldn't be able to tell me it's a pen or what it does Mm. for a wee while until you've played with it made mistakes with it and so on and yet people think that when they're trying to discover their true selves is going to be easy no it's not it's definitely not going to be easy that's why you know most of the population are, are struggling 97 percent of the population are are in this nothing happening space where they're just plundering through where you've got to realize it it is a it's a journey it's a process there's going to be ups there's going to be downs but i just don't believe there's any other way to live why keep doing the same thing getting the same results and then try and pretend that you're happy with it and sell ultimately because we make up excuses of why it's okay to stay where we are and yet it goes against the whole laws that govern growth it's always moving maslow says you're either moving forward or you're moving backwards and that's fundamentally the absolute truth Mm. sideways energy any energy i mean energy will you are energy and we give off energy we receive and we give off it's like a receiving and broadcasting station that is what your mind is the mind is energy so that's why especially when i work with entrepreneurs you go and find any entrepreneur that has went and tried to make it by themselves why have they done it because they felt the fire they felt the energy Mm. they go out on their own they have once they start to go on that path, just like I did, it's like, oh, I've got this idea, I've got this idea, I've got this idea, and they end up spinning plates. Now, what I know that to be is that's energy flowing into their consciousness. They're using their creative mind to come up with ideas, but they do not mm. know how to focus the energy. Sure. So then the energy gets dispersed. And just like a magnifying glass, when you use it in the sun and that white heated bead hits a piece of paper, it's going to burn it. But if I scatter the energy across the page, it will be brown marks and a mess and you won't get that precision. So that's, you know, energy will do anything you want it to do, but we control it. And Mm. that's the missing link. People don't realize that and people don't know how to control it. So they feel out of control and then they call it 
anxiety, they call it depression, they call it all of these things, confusion, and, and it is, but you can have clarity. And, and it's just about understanding how to control that flow, control that energy, and point it on something that you want to grow and expand. Mm. Not the problems, not the worries, not the debt, but what about the prosperity? What about the bun- abundance? What about love? And then that's really where now, okay, we're all the same, but you've no idea how to use the tools that you've been given. Mm. Learn how to do that, the world's your oyster. Okay. Used a very interesting um, term there. You said, you know, with an entrepreneur, you can feel the energy. Mm-hmm. Can you understand? Can you explain the f- how you feel energy? Um, well, it depends what we're talking about. Um, and everyone will be different depending on their craft. Mm. Um, you know, if we had if we had a footballer in here and they were out in that pitch, they can feel the energy when the stadium is full because. If that's thousands of people's energy being focused on him but he could also feel the energy when it's empty because mm. he's just focusing on his own energy if if it's an artist who's painting they're they're feeling this need to express themselves and they will do that in whatever way they do it but they're mm. feeling their way into it um, and it's the same if you're in a job that you don't like you don't feel great so guess what you don't give the great output um, or any great inventor like I always think of Edison who had never seen light nobody had seen light but he knew that he could create he knew he could create it and yet he had no image to go on mm. but he felt him his way into the vibration and that's where it comes into you, you've got to understand that energy is 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 vibrating at a very high speed our bodies are vibrating at a very high speed and if you can line up your energy with the desire of the goal that's when suddenly it's like light bulbs go off like people do this every single day they get a new idea or you're walking down tesco's and you start thinking about joe blogs or you start thinking about what's for dinner where do those thoughts come from that's what i get people to think about they don't just pop into your head from nowhere they are a stream of consciousness and you decided to think about what's for dinner so what's for dinner images starts to pop up in your mind Mm. and usually people say what do you feel like eating you don't really say anything else apart from what do you feel like eating and if it's a cold yucky day we'll go oh i would love a wee bowl of stew or a wee bowl of soup or whatever because it makes us feel warm it makes us feel comfortable so then that's the idea that comes forward feeling will always be the most important part feelings or your emotions like even the word emotion is energy and motion that's where the word comes from and your emotions are your indicators of what way you're going in life you feel rubbish you feel unhealthy then you need to re-look at at where your energy is going or not going Mm -hmm. um, and just only focus your energy where you want it to we have complete control well and that's i mean the word you use quite regularly is i know and no yeah it's it's um well i mean it's, it's, is it a word you're conscious of no like mm. as in knowing as in yes yeah um what was your question is it a word i suppose it, given what you do and stuff i mean is it, is it something that you would be aware of and and can you put um, an explanation to I it as such i think i didn't understand it until i studied it to mm. understand mm. i think everyone uses it it's like you say to any young person or any adult, why did you not do that? They mm. say, I don't know. And then you say, you knew not to do that or you knew better. I know. 
And so everyone knows the knowing is never the problem. It's the doing is the problem. And that's mm. why we have what we call a knowing doing gap. And again, if you don't understand about your consciousness and your subconscious, you're going to keep doing things that you don't want to do, that you know are getting you crap results, but you don't know why you keep doing it. And it's a habit. And this is all coming down to your conscious and your subconscious. Like the stat that I always give, and I, I love it because it meant so much to me. Every decision that you make on a conscious level only controls two to four percent of what you actually do. So people will think, I'm going to go to the gym on Monday. And they, in their mind, they're like, that's what I'm doing. I'm going to do it. But only two to four percent of that is actually going to be the influencing factor on what you do. Your subconscious mind, which is the conditioned part of you, which has all the habits, all the beliefs, everything resident in it, it has a wee blueprint. And as soon as you think in your consciousness, I'm going to go to the gym on Monday, the wee guys down here go, catch yourself on. Sure, you never do that. You always say that, but you're not going to do it. Because it controls 96 to 98% of what you actually do. So it just goes, ah, dead on. And then what happens Monday morning comes, you have no desire that 2 to 4% gets completely crushed by 96 to 98%. And then we just continue to not show up to the gym. Now that's just an example for gym, but this is the same for everything. So it's about figuring out what are the habits and beliefs that are not serving me and how can I change them so that I actually work on automatic in a way that's going to get me my results. I mean, if we all, me included, because I'm not perfect, if we all looked at our top three worst habits, and we reverse them. Mm. Can you imagine what your life would be like? How you would look, how you would feel, how you would treat people, how you would make money, how people would see you, more time that you would have, the more, you know, you'd be so much more fulfilled because you'd feel like, yes, I got that done, that was great. Mm. Life would be dramatically different. Mm. And yet, it's all there, we can do it, but if you're not aware of that, how are you ever gonna know that that's even a possibility? Would you say you're um, sensory bias in any way? Because the word feel is, mm -hmm. is a very common... Yeah. No, I wouldn't say I'm biased in the slightest because feeling is the number one key. Okay. Because that's your, where your subconscious lives. So That's quite kinesthetic in its, in its terms. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's emotions. It's, you can call it feeling, you can call it emotions, you can call it vibration. Mm. All the exact same thing. That is the part that moves you into action. Okay, feeling always comes first before action. You don't act and then think about doing the thing. You think about doing the thing, then you go and do the thing. So feeling is the key. Now, thought is also very important, but your thoughts will be in alignment with how you feel. Mm -hmm. So if you don't feel like going to the gym on Monday morning, you can think all you like. You're not going to do it if you don't want to do it, bottom sure. line. So it's your feelings that influence the thoughts that you have. That's mm -hmm. why I teach and why Bob Proctor teaches about paradigms and they're not widely talked about. We're the only company in the world that really focuses in on them because it's your paradigm, it's like a lens that you see the world through. It controls okay. your habits, your beliefs, your feelings, your subconscious. And if you're looking through a lens of lack, then you're only going to see the bills, the problems, uh, the scams, Whereas if you're looking through a lens of believe that you're worthy, believe that you can, believe that it's absolutely possible and money is good and that you want to serve people, well then things are going to show up in your life that are resident with that.
-hmm. And the example I always give is somebody wants a brand new car. Let's say they've just taken this notion for a white Mercedes. And again, they only want it because they feel they will look better, feel better when they have the white Mercedes. They don't really want the white Mercedes. Everybody wants something because they think in the having of it, they will feel better. And that's really what everyone's searching for. Ultimate happiness of and feeling. Sure. So they get emotionally involved in the white Mercedes and now they're driving around and all they can see is white Mercedes. And everybody can resonate with this because it happens to everybody. Now the question is, has there just been an influx of white Mercedes or have the white Mercedes always been there? And the truth is the white Mercedes have always been there, but you were not aware, you didn't notice them. I mean, we both drove here today. I couldn't tell you what car was in front of me the whole way. And could you tell me what car was in front of you? No, no. because we that's useless information to you. Mm. Your mind is bringing in thousands and thousands and thousands and thousands of information, sensory overload, mm. but we only translate 2000 of that. And we will translate it through our senses, which are in harmony with our thinking. So if I think about the white Mercedes and I want the white Mercedes, I will see the white Mercedes. Now, that's a real simple analogy, but what if we started to look at that at success or purpose or the person that you really want to find and have a relationship with or the money that you want or the clients that we want? If we started thinking and getting emotionally involved about that, then they're going to show up too because we live in a world that is attraction and you will attract what you are, not what you want. So that's getting into the deeper elements of, of how you can start to use the tools that you've been given to mm. actually create the reality you want because you're living in the reality that you've created anyway sure well i'm going to put a challenge to you then can you explain the difference between wants and needs yes you should never need anything you should want stuff um you could say you need you know everyone will say i need more money okay that's fine but when you say you need something would you say that makes you feel positive or negative? When I, if you were to say, I really need more money, do you think that sounds more positive or more negative? It sounds more negative. Yeah, it sounds more negative. So if you're in more of a negative feeling place, mm. that would mean you're looking through a lens that's more tinted negatively. So it's going to be harder to see the money, isn't it? But in saying that, I need to breathe. You do? Mm. Yeah. But again, need is a word, is a mm. human word that we've just created. Sure. You don't ever worry that air is going to run out. Mm. So you have faith in that. Whoever said money was going to run out? People have said it and we've believed them. But it's not. Money is energy. Mm -hmm. Air is energy. Mm -hmm. Water is energy. And there's no lack. There's an abundance of everything for everyone. Forever. And if you believe that, then that will be true. Mm -hmm. But majority of people believe there is lack. There is uh, places that don't have enough money. There is, and, and that's, I'm not disagreeing with what somebody thinks. If that's what they think, then that's what they'll see. But I choose to see differently. So if you say, I need more money, I need more clients, I need, I need, I need, you're actually trying to find the thing whilst you're pushing it away. Because your energy is negative, negative, negative. Whereas if you can say, oh, I would really love this, or I would, I want to go and experience this, or I want to, that's more uplifting, that's mm. more exciting. So the fire in your belly starts to change the tilt of what it's gonna bring to you. So those little words are so impactful, not for the words themselves, but for the meaning behind the words mm -hmm. and what that literally does 
to the cells and molecules in your body because you're energy and you live in a high state of vibration and it's your thoughts and your feelings that tell your body which speed to be at. Hmm. No, it makes sense. It's, um, I suppose putting everything to, to a want position yeah. is, um, I can see how it would be mm -hmm. much more positive and totally. you know, what you want to do and going yeah. forward. But yeah. Just it's something that comes back to me, you know, and, and I'm I'm curious to know if you think there's maybe a correlation between with the dyslexia, mm -hmm. and quite often people would say that their their weakness is their strength. Mm -hmm. Does that make sense? And yeah. I mean, do you perceive any sort of sensory uplift on one side with dyslexia on the other? Um, I'm a very creative person. Um, I was the typical kid, as I say, loved PE, loved art, loved making stuff. I'm, I'm a very very creative person. Now, this, and I'm going to kind of intersect this, is if I say that to some people, especially somebody that may feel they're not creative, mm. they will say, oh, okay, well, that's how she did it. Okay. But, uh, I mean, mm. I can't do that. Mm. We all have the same, like, if, we, if I was to say, okay, Pete, you were given 100% creativity, but Joe Bloggs over there, he only got 20. Mm. That's impossible. We both have creative faculties. It's called your imagination. And we can both, we were both born with these working mental muscles. I just practiced mine more. Sure. Why did I practice mine more? Because what I seen in my home was my dad using his imagination, okay. was my dad building. And what I seen was the results of what that, that meant. We could go on holidays, that meant we could do this. So what I was learning at a young age was, well, and especially bad habits too, because I remember my dad always saying to my mom in the kitchen, would you spell that? And my mum was a very you know, skilled teacher. Look it up in a dictionary or whatever. Or spell it, like word it out. And, and that doesn't work for dyslexic because nothing sounds like it should be spelled. Um, but my dad always used to crack up and go, just spell it for me. And my mum would always spell it. Mm -hmm. So then, of course, I, I seen that and went, well, what the hell would I want to learn it for? Somebody's mm -hmm. going to tell me it. And now I just say to whoever's sitting inside me, how do you spell that? Or our phones do it for us. So, I mean, I don't see it as a limitation whatsoever mm. I think it's a part of my character and again I've chosen to look at it as a positive sure. I could very easily say oh I'm really stupid I can't do this I can't spell I'm not a successful person that's rubbish you can choose to think that you want but I'm gonna get you better results um, I've just that's that's me that's how I am and I don't care in terms of I mean nature and nurture any views on that it, what do you mean well how much? How much of your? Because you know you were saying there your 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 habit was to almost to, to learn or to or to mm -hmm. you know to, to to reach out to others. I mean, has that come through the environment or? Um, I don't know. I don't think so because I never seen that. Hmm. No, I mean, parents were always there when you fell over and grazed your knee, but I wouldn't have been wrapped up in cotton wool. It would be like, okay, you didn't kill yourself. There's just plaster. Get on with it. Hmm. Which I think is good because you can over nurture and sure. I'm certainly not that person and I think nursing more than anything allowed me to, to see that but um, no I think it just for whatever reason um, and, and everyone has a purpose. My purpose is without a doubt to help people waken up to themselves okay. and, and, and really understand how they can achieve more. So. It's not surprising to me that those traits were were visible at a young age because I feel that that is my true purpose. Mm -hmm. um, but it doesn't mean everyone has to do that. You know, somebody that 
you know, is cleaning these windows, well, that's also given service because sure. we are able to sit here in this beautiful yeah. environment. So <clears throat> you can find your purpose in anything. And one thing that, you know, I always uh, come back to is what Wallace D. Wattles said in the sense of getting rich. People do not get rich by doing certain things. They get rich by doing certain things in a certain way. And that's all around the mindset. It's all around working with the laws that govern success. And you can be successful in anything. Mm -hmm. And um, that's a beautiful part of it. Yeah, I mean, it's very, very poignant. I mean, to, to go back to your, your, you know, in terms of mentorship and obviously, mm -hmm. you know, sort of your background now, but to go back into your sort of earliest years, I mean, what's the earliest mentors you remember? Or I think my dad has always been that role without really being a call that role, mm -hmm. I suppose. Mm -hmm. um, and what was his style? He just always believed that anything was possible. Okay. And that if somebody else could do it, he could do it. Okay. And that is me. Like, I am my dad all over. Okay. Uh, there's no doubt about it. Um, my mum was always, let me see how that all works out before we step mm -hmm. out and take a chance. So that was an interesting thing, you know, because there was always disagreements uh, in, a, in a sense. Um, and I always remember my dad saying, don't worry about the how or don't worry about the problem. And well, what, what are you talking about that for? Let's think about it, whatever. Um, and he was always right. Mm. Um, so that's what I seen growing up, which was lovely. Um, so then I just thought, well, I can do that too. Mm. <laughs> um, I never doubted it. I just did it, tested the waters, see what was going to happen. And I uh, took it from there. And then I seen that, yeah, things always do always work out. Um, this is interesting. But then I just thought, ugh, it's just Kim. She always comes up smelling like roses. I was that annoying friend. Uh, but now I realize, actually, no, I was just unconsciously aware of mm. the infinite abilities in your mind. And any teachers in school or anyone else that sort of stand out for you? No, no, no. Me and, me and teachers didn't get on. I can't even remember their names. Mm. Probably had other names for them. <laughs> um, apart from just uh, Jackie, who was my first boss in nursing. Mm. And um, I learned a lot of great lessons from her. But again, not from direct learning, but just from passively picking up how she dealt with situations. I've always mm. been, I'll, uh, let me just get on with it and I'll pick it up as we go. Okay. I, I'm not, a, like if you sat me down and had like a Meccano set uh, and you gave me the instructions, I mean, get the instructions away from me, let me just get in and see what happens. Sure. Um, so that's always just been how I've been. Mm. But I, I suppose then you, you mentioned then your friend, um, I didn't get her name, but you know, you were saying almost the, the competitive edge to go from a grade five to grade seven. Yeah. Is that competition? Are you competitive by nature or? Um, I would, I would say that I'm competitive now about myself. Okay. I would have been competitive in a healthy way as a child. I, I was always, yeah. you know, captain of all the sports teams. I always won all the races. I was a dancer, you know, that was a competitive sport. I also was a bodybuilder, that was a competitive sport. So I've done a lot of competing, mm. but it has never been about beating anybody. It's always been about, I just know I can do this. And I've always just had this trajectory of thinking about me and thinking about a goal and I don't mm. have time to think about other stuff. Um, so I've always thrived on that and enjoyed that. Now I realize that it's not competition, it's creativity. And professionals create, amateurs compete. And that's a very important lesson to know and understand because again, when you understand the powers of the mind 
and that everything is energy and there's no beginning or end, then you don't need to compete with anybody because mm. there's no lack, there's no limitation, there's enough for everybody. So isn't it much more fun to create and allow yourself to express, not worrying about what they're doing or what somebody else is doing? You're going to have a lot more fun doing it. And when you tap into your creative super genius power, then you're going to create stuff that nobody's thought of, that everybody wants, mm. and you've won anyway. Mm. And that's, you know, the key behind a successful business is really have leadership where they're building on a vision that nobody else really gets or understands. I mean, if you can say that, then you're going to do good in business. And I mean, that's, that's, that's very interesting you saying that in terms of, you know, building that vision, you know. Yeah. Uh, how do you tap into that? I mean, mm -hmm. is, is there a method you find or? Well, yeah, there's a creative process to mm. creating goals and, and, and uh, achieving goals. Um, I think the first thing you've got to think about will always be, well, what do you want? I think people overcomplicate this. They think that there are limitations. They think that there's only so much that we can get or they look too much upon what is. Mm. When you look upon what already is, you're going to get more of it. So it's about allowing yourself and giving yourself the permission to actually dream, to think big, because whatever the mind can receive and believe, it can achieve. And that's what Napoleon Hill wrote about. Whatever mm. you can see in the mind, you can hold in your hand. So if you can see it, you can achieve it. So really all you've got to do is give yourself the permission to use your imagination, your cre creativity, um, and think about how would I like to live? How many holidays would I like to go on? For me, it should always start with family. It should always start with your personal life. Because sure. that should always be precedent. And love is the most important element to that. Love in itself is L-O-V-E, level of vibrational energy. It's the highest state. So for me, I always focus on family first. So I think, mm. okay, where do I want to live? How do I want to live? What's the comfort that I want? How much money do I want to earn? Where do I want to go? What type of food do I want to eat? What type of body do I want to live in? Uh, do I want to work every day? Do I want to travel? And once anybody starts thinking about that, they're going to come up with a good lot of ideas. Yeah. And again, the lovely thing is, if if you don't know what you if you don't know what you want, then you do know what you want because it's the total opposite to what you don't want. Okay. <laughs> so if you really yeah. get stuck, make a list because people will tell you, "Well, I don't want this. I don't want that. I don't want that." Yeah. Make a list of that and then just flip it. Okay, yeah. you don't want debt. Great. How much abundance do you want? Okay, you don't want this partner that's treating you like crap. What type of partner would you like? How do you want to be treated? How okay. are you treating yourself? And then that eases your way into it. Then I find with my clients, once we start to really get them to understand that there is a process and that you can start to think into your results, my goodness, the shopping lists get long. Mm -hmm. <laughs> uh, the way I do it with my clients is, okay, I'm not here to limit you. I want you to have shopping lists that are as long as your arm. But... We can't do them all today, so let's build a vision. And what I find people get really wrapped up in is, oh, I don't know my purpose, I don't know my goal. And I'm like, well, whoever said it had to be one thing? Mm -hmm. I mean, that's the first restraint that you're freaking out about because it's not natural for you to do one thing in your life. You're a creative being with infinite potential, so why the hell would you pick one thing? So that instantly lets people go, oh, okay, good, great. And then when you give them permission that it's okay to want money and we explain mm. what money is, then that takes a bit of resistance. So really it's about fine combing 
their vibrational output and taking out all the resistance so that they then can expand into more and um we build a vision we go okay this is what you want your life to look like brilliant good we want to do this you want to do that you want to do this excellent this is so exciting and then they're like yeah this is great and then of course in comes a but how the hell am i going to do it kim and Mm -hmm. i go well one you don't need to know that Mm -hmm. and if you did know that you wouldn't Mm -hmm. be sitting here two I expect you to not have a foggy notion how to do that because that's why we're sitting here. And if you knew how, you would be doing it. And then again, people go, that's a fair point, okay. But how am I going to do it? And I go, okay, well, firstly, there is a process to this and you've got to build the image first. Our mind works in pictures. So that's why we build a vision. I help them create that picture so that if I ask them, what is the color of your front door? How many magnets are on your fridge? What dogs do you have? They're able to go bang, 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 bang. Whereas if I go out today into any street and I tap somebody in the shoulder and say, what's your dream home look like? How much money do you want to be earning? They're having a clue. Mm. So if they're not thinking about it, how on earth are they ever going to attract it into their existence? They can't. It's physically impossible. People are thinking about debt. People are thinking about what they have. So they keep getting more of it. So build a vision, create the picture. And then when you start to understand the mind, and uh, there's no way I'll be able to give you that in a short, concise statement, (laughs) you're going to become aware of the next step. And once you take the next step, you don't need to know the other 10 steps because we're on the first step. Then we do more study and then you go, oh, I know the next step. Now, if you start learning that and how to think and you start doing it with other people, Well, then it's like the dots connect. And that's what Steve Jobs says. He says, you've got to trust and hope that one day when you look Mm. back, the dots join up. And of course, they do always do. So it's that interim period of not knowing that cuts most people because people aren't thinking about the possibility. They're thinking about the fear. And yet fear is false evidence appearing real. And both faith and fear ask you to believe in something you can't see. Mm. So you just get to choose, just like you choose the negative or the positive. Well, I'm going to choose faith because I know how to cultivate faith. Faith is a state of mind. You can cultivate that into your subconscious so that when you step out to do the thing that you want to do, it's backed by faith and then that wins. And then the more you do that, and that's why you need a mentor because that's not easy steps to take by yourself. It's absolutely the scariest thing in the world. But once you do it and you look back and go, oh, that worked. Well, you're going to be game for the next one. Mm-hmm. And then the next time I don't have to hold your hand, maybe I'll just stand beside you and make sure you're okay. Sure. And then suddenly you don't need me because it wasn't me in the first place. You used the word trust and hope there, which mm-hmm. I thought was interesting. I mean, well, that's Steve's job, Steve mm-hmm. Jobs' words, not mine, because mm-hmm. there's no such thing as hope. Mm-hmm. I think trust, absolutely, you have to trust in sure. the science that, is, that backs all of this. I mean, we don't ask anybody to believe in something that's just, you know, popped into my head or Bob Proctor's head. It's science. I mean, the grass on that pitch is evidence of everything I'm saying. How Mm. does it grow? Well, the energy comes from the sun. The energy is coming from the earth. It's lining up with what the grass needs and it will grow and grow until we cut it. And when we cut it, it grows again. And that's the transmutation of perpetual energy. It's forever expanding. Mm And just like the grass or the leaves on the trees, there's a season to everything. So when the leaves fall, the trees do not sit and gather around in the park and have meetings about what are we going to do? All our leaves are falling off. We've lost all of our leaves. How do we get them back? 
they chill out, they understand that everything has a season and they trust in the knowing that the laws are never going to change and the leaves are going to come back. Mm -hmm. And if we could just do the same, because it's the same laws that are governing us, then you're going to have a lot calmer, peaceful, fun, uh, passion-filled life. You use the word um, permission there a couple mm -hmm. of times. And where does that come from? Um, I think where it comes from for me is you've got to, I mean, at the end of the day, you've got to say yes to doing something or not doing something. Mm. So you're the, the, the essence of you. We always know the truth and the truth always knows when it hears it. So let's say you know in the depth of your heart, in your belly, that you should leave your job and start your own business. And you just know, you can't even say how you know, but you just know that's what you want, but you're scared. Well, only you can make the decision to leave the job and start the business. So it's giving yourself permission to make a committed decision. Okay. Nothing happens without a decision. If you don't decide to leave the job and start the business, well, it's not gonna happen without you. So it's the decision that is the critical component to everything else nothing will happen until we make a decision and that's just what i mean is giving yourself the permission to actually take your life into your hands and go for it a lot of people like to take the easy way out and let other people tell them that their wives or their husbands tell them what to do their mom and dad tell them what to do you know i was told mm -hmm. get a good government job <clears throat> so i went and got a good government job and then realized that ain't so good um and it's not giving me what i actually truly want so I'm actually going to make a decision by myself here hmm. and take my life into my own hands and go off on that trajectory. So Kim, you were really were saying you know, that brings sort of up to the point of awareness and, mm -hmm. and sort of realizing there was a change or something for you. I mean, what what stage did that come at for you? Um, for me, Pete, when I had got to that level in nursing, um, you know, band seven, earning 35, 40,000 a year, you know, you were seen to be doing really good. You had it landed, you had the government job, you had the pension, you had the office, but it was not fulfilling me. Um, I loved my job, I loved the young people, but I felt very unfulfilled. And that's not an easy emotion to feel, especially when you're in the job that I was in, because you could very quickly feel guilty for feeling that way mm. and so on, but I really just knew in my heart there's something else, there's something bigger, but I didn't know what. Now, this was also at a stage in my life where I wasn't in a very good relationship. It was very toxic. I was not growing as a person. My finances were a mess because, yeah, I might have had a good job, but at the end of every month, I was kind of going, right, I've no savings. Uh, the car tire needs done, something always needed money and I never had it. Mm. And it didn't really matter how much overtime I did, it didn't matter if I was band five or band seven, I never had enough, I never had money left over. And that was peeving me off for a better word. I never could get away on a, a holiday longer than two weeks because mm. annual leave's a nightmare. And I was just feeling that there was a lot of restrictions around. Um, that's when I decided I, w I need to do something better for me. I, as I said, the, the, the relationship I was in was making me not like me. And now I look back on it very differently. At the time, I, I blamed the other person. Now I look back and go, oh, I didn't like me. I didn't love me. 
it's not surprising I attracted somebody into my life that wouldn't like me or treat me good. So now I can understand it and I, I don't hold any grudge or hatred or anything and actually I give gratitude to that person because without that having happened I couldn't be where I am now. So uh, at the time in that current mind state I didn't think I was good enough. I didn't think I was worthy of anybody, anything at all. I thought I was fat. I thought I was unlovable. And I just did not have great uh, connection or with my self-confidence. So that wasn't good. I then thought, ah, I know the answer. If I want my partner to love me better, if I want to feel confident, if I want to feel good, I need to lose a lot of weight. And I'm going to do it by competing because I love uh, sports. So I decided to go into the fitness uh, world and I literally decided, okay, I'm going to go on stage in three months time and I'm going to, um, you know, be incredible shape. I'm going to look good, going to feel good. Life will be amazing. Mm -hmm. So I thought the answer to all my problems was a six pack. And it wasn't. So I... It's not a bad way to think about it. No, <laughs> so. no. And I started a business off it because I was still in nursing. Mm. And I, I always loved fitness. So, I mean, it wasn't a total random pick. But I then got really geeky into nutrition and food and exercise. And, like, I just studied it all the time because I was fascinated by it. And uh, I then decided to open up a Facebook page. I remember coming off... Um, night duty one night thinking i'm just gonna start a fit every what this facebook everyone's on it i'm gonna start a facebook page i'm gonna start a business and it's gonna be called dynamite nutrition that will do right like mm. um so i started at dynamite nutrition and it was basically a blog a blog mm. of i'm gonna show you all how to get a six pack step on stage and look incredible and win but i'm going to eat chocolate cake and cheesecake so my slogan was have your cake and eat it Basically, yep. Basically, sorry, I don't I make was, a laugh. Oh no, it was brilliant. Basically, I was a very normal-looking young person. wasn't any different. And there, I'm thinking, okay, I'm going to do all of this. So I put it out on Facebook, and I think that's very important because I said what I was going to do before I did it, and I then blogged. Mm. Now I wasn't eating chocolate cake like you'd buy in Tesco's. I was getting creative in my mind because there was no way I was going to eat broccoli, rice, and chicken for months on end. That was not. Good. I was a big foodie. I loved food. So then I thought, well, if I can understand what's in food, I could engineer my food so that I'm getting the right nutrients, but that I'm also making fun from it. So I spent a good six months really working on this and I knew all the macronutrients in food so I was creating with my imagination what I really wanted how I want how do you want to feel when you sit down for your dinner do you want to sit down to a plate that has a tiny little pea and a piece of chicken even though it might be nutritionally perfect for you you're gonna feel empty no matter what or do you want to sit down to a, a plate that's colorful that that looks like it's gonna fill you and it could actually be nutritionally less and less calories but it looks better so I was really tricking myself instead of eating boring white rice I would put turmeric in it because turmeric lowers your cortisol which also makes it a lovely color so it's more beautiful to eat so it was all these psychological tricks along with the macronutrients that I was doing and I was just mm. figuring it all out 
So, cut a long story short, I blogged about it. Everybody was now watching us. We had 8,000 people watching this page and this crazy girl that's eating chocolate cake and everybody else is miserable. I never showed my body off. And then um, when it came to show, I got a coach, obviously. So I got a mentor. I got a, my very first coach for that, who's still a good friend of mine today, Phil Graham. And um, he was telling me, okay, Kim, you need to eat this much protein, fats, and carbs. And he was telling me, you know, here's a meal, but I'm going, don't want that. I'd rather have a cheesecake. Um, and it worked. I ended up getting sponsored by Genetics, one of the largest supplement companies for protein. They supplied everything that I needed. Wow. I got uh, promoted or sponsored by Six Pack Company, which is lunch, everything I needed. I said, well, I don't want to pay for it, so what can I do in exchange for it? I was then on stage at Body Power in England, huge big expo in the um, in the we call that arena NEC mm -hmm. and there was me on stage with my wee Britney mic in a big kitchen showing people how to cook brownies talking on stage and I'm a nurse and I don't have a fitness I'm mm -hmm. not a PT I don't have all these pieces of paper and yet there's loads of people that would love to be doing what I'm doing and they do have the pieces of paper and this is where I was starting to see hmm this is interesting I just had the desire and the want to do it and it made it happen so got on stage, I won the Northern Ireland's. So I was totally ripped to pieces. I had an eight pack by the end of it. It looked amazing. I built a, a following. Everyone was great, apart from I still felt miserable. My relationship wasn't any better, probably worse. Uh, I had probably a worse relationship with my body because no matter what you looked at it, it still wasn't good enough. And I was when I was on stage, holding the flowers, holding the trophies, totally dehydrated, and I said, where's my stamp of validation where is this feeling that i should be feeling right now and again what i now can reflect back and see is i was chasing an outside thing to fix an internal problem and that's what we see all around us and it was never going to work and it didn't work mm -hmm. so i then thought right i'm still miserable i'm still unhappy this isn't good I thought, I wonder does anybody else feel this way? I wonder do any other females in this arena feel what I'm feeling? Because I felt awful. I felt guilty if you ate something you shouldn't have ate. You know, it was just horrific. So then I thought, I'm going to start a course. Now, at this point, I was really financially broke, even though the wage was coming in every month. It was going on bills. And I thought, right, I think I could start a business off this. Dynamite nutrition kind of went mm. big. So I started to teach people how to make what I made. Um, we protein bars and all sorts of stuff. So I used to hold workshops in the Lisbon Road. And I remember being in an established coffee shop. I had very little money and I thought, right, what do I know? Because I was starting to listen to Bob Proctor now on YouTube. Every okay. time I've, every time I've, just... It just popped up because mm. I was listening to Les Brown. He was okay. my main guy. And then suddenly this granda popped up on the screen. About <laughs> there's an, an exact science and formula to get anything you want. I'm like, yeah, dead on. But I'm a wee bit intrigued to listen. We'll go back to yeah. Les Brown. Yeah. How did that come about? Do you know? Um, I think I just looked at motivational videos. Okay. Um, and he came up and I loved it. And I always remember, you know, it's not over until I win. And that was my wee Sam and I was competing. Wow. And, uh, yeah, I loved Les Brown. And then I realized, because I met Les a couple of months back there. He just happened to be in the same hotel as Bob. And uh, he walked in the middle of the uh, seminar and went up to Bob. And he told everybody how actually it was 
Bob's teachings that helped Les. Wow. So that's, that's so amazing how, mm-hmm. how it all came about. Uh, so I listened to him. Bob popped up on the screen. I was on a treadmill at the time. And it was, it was like something just went like that. Suddenly there's this person not shouting, not ranting, not saying motivation, not going that path, but actually saying, hold on a minute. Here's who you are. This is what you have. This is how the mind works. This is the science behind how everything works. If you just follow this exact process, you can have anything you want. Now, it caught my attention because he wasn't shouting and raving and, yeah, let's be positive. Mm. But I also was like, what a pile of rubbish. There's no way on this earth does that work. But I couldn't get away from the feeling of there's something here. And again, it brings back to I was always nosy. And he was explaining how I work. Now, if I was interested in how calculators worked, I'm going to be definitely interested in how I work. So I just started watching every YouTube clip under the sun. I thought that the answer would be in there somewhere. Every time I was going to sleep, I was listening to it. I'm tired, oh, the answer might be in the next one. The answer might be in the next one. And it wasn't. I mean, it was giving me great ideas. Mm. And, and one thing that he, he was saying was, make money off what you love to do. Mm. And I'm like, what do I love to do? What am I good at? And I remember sitting in the coffee shop and established with a pen and paper, because that's what Bob says, all you need is a pen and paper. Mm. And I literally sat and went, right, what do I know about? Well, I know about nutrition. I know about exercise. I'm a mental health nurse, and I'm pretty sure I know a, a bit about the mind. Oh, there's a course. So it started to become the Dynamite Lifestyle course. And this was a course that people would come to me for a full day. They would learn how to cook like I cook. They would learn how what nutrition is what how to train and then how to think now the thinking part i was just going off what i'd learned on youtube mm. and what i seen was that out of all the categories that was the big one everybody loved it and i started getting people in 20 30 people every month which was incredible and i was now starting to make a little bit of extra money alongside nursing i thought though this is great so that happened i then realized okay it's not so much the nutrition it's more the mind and then time over time i just thought right okay that's where i want to be so after listening to bob for probably i don't know two to three months i eventually made the decision that i would click the button and find out more about what he did i didn't know that you could do a course with him because again i wasn't that bright to even look that further i just thought this guy's on youtube giving out free content and there was me trying to put all the pieces together and it cannot work because you you don't know what you don't know. Mm-hmm. So I rang up and um, they basically were saying, okay, you're a perfect fit for this. We can teach you everything. Bob will show you how to turn your annual income into a monthly income. You could be sitting here in Canada with Bob. And I mean, I'm just going, this is real good sales pitch. I mean, wow, wow. I could be having dinner with him dead on. Like I'm from Northern Ireland, catch a grip. But I couldn't help be interested. Mm. So that fire in the belly, that feeling, that truth, that real me kind of went, uh, uh, hold on a wee minute, let's just mm. go back to that. And I couldn't ignore it. And I truly believe that your passion or your purpose or whatever you want to call it will always poke you. And it's until you stop playing the game of ignoring it Hmm. and shoving it under the carpet, will it actually get its own voice and and start to help you on that? So that was where I was at. In my personal life, things had 
totally changed. I had ended the relationship that wasn't serving me, which was good, but I was in a real state of, of probably depression for three months after that. I had now just met somebody else who in my eyes was far too good for me and you know why on earth would you be with me and yeah all the usual crap goes with mm. that and now suddenly i'm thinking about okay i could maybe go down this path so i mean my life was in a place where i've just met somebody new who i don't mm. think i'm good enough for i'm still absolutely broke because that past relationship ended i was left with serious amounts of debt mm. and I'm now thinking about potentially quitting my job and going off to work with this grander guy in Canada. I mean, what else would be normal? So um, I really thought, wow, okay, Kim, you're really pushing it here. But it was almost like there was a force within me just like mm. keeping me going. I had built up the momentum. So the next thing I heard Bob saying on YouTube was, well, you know, quit the job and start the business. Yeah, I could do that. Was he talking to you? That's what it felt like. Mm. And I'm going to just quit the job and start the business. Right. That's very simple. But it is really simple. So then again, I got on the conversation with these guys, except this time I got on the phone and I says, right, I want to do this. How much is it? And they were like, okay, well, it's about 20, 30,000 to study with Bob and learn everything that he knows. He'll pass everything to you. And I went, okay, I'm broke. And I thought, right. So I says, look, I, I have no money at all, uh, but I want to do this. And I says, I don't know how I'm going to do it, but I'm going to do it. Leave it with me. I then basically didn't tell uh, my new partner because I was like, they're going to think I'm crazy. I then decided, right, I'm going to quit the job and start the business. So I walked into my work. I couldn't figure out when to leave. So I looked at the calendar on my wall, closed my eyes, stuck my finger on it and it was the 11th of November. And this was about May time. So I this knew- This was 2015? This was, I can't remember if it was 15 or 16. We were asking this the other day. Mm. I think it was 15 or 16. Mm. I don't know, but it was in around May time. And I said, right, I need to leave on the 11th of November. And I had to give three months notice. Mm. So I went and handed my notice in and everybody thought I was nuts. All the other nurses, doctors everybody thought you have lost it you've come out of this terrible relationship you're broke and now you're quitting your good government job with a pension to be honest they kind of opened the door because they thought mm. i was crazy i didn't tell my parents because they would have equally have killed me mm -hmm. and anytime i ever alluded to any of this they were like well don't you give up the good government job and what about your pension and blah, blah, blah. so i mean i wasn't gonna go down for that conversation over sunday dinner so i told nobody I handed my notice in. I rang the company back the next day. Remembrance Day, I've just realized. Yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. And 1111 is mm -hmm. it's a very spiritual number. Um, but I then rang them back and says, right, I'm doing this. And I sold my car because I knew that my car was the only real possession that I had. And uh, I got a measly, I think I got a measly eight grand for it. And uh, off webuyanycar.com. Don't go there. And uh, I got the car sold, I got the money, and I give them 4,000, and I kept a couple of thousand just to get me past that next month. I had no idea how I was gonna pay my mortgage. I had no idea what I was gonna do for a car, nothing. Mm. But I knew I needed something to change. And then that, that particular moment that I knew things needed to change was about a week prior to that. I was in Pets or Home Store, I forgot about this part, I was in the Pets or Home Store, store on the Boucher Road. 
and I standing looking at this dog food and I'm standing with this new person that I've just fallen in love with and they're saying oh look at this dog food oh it's so nutritious and wonderful and I was like yeah it's about 20 pound a bag and I'm standing with my hands in my pocket and I was squeezing the coins in my pocket didn't even realize I was doing it and I was hurting so much because I felt I am a highly qualified specialist in mental health nursing and I can't even afford bloody dog food and that hurt Hmm. and that was the moment that I decided because I said earlier on there's always a point where you make a committed decision people that are interested do what's convenient people who are committed do whatever it takes and I made a committed decision I will never be broke again and I remember Les Brown that was always his wee tagline and I says I will never be broke again hmm. and that's then when I decided to hand in the notice sell the car it was back against the wall and for me especially when you read uh, Napoleon Hill's work that was the burning of the ships that was the I'm actually committing a hundred percent and I'm so glad that I did because when I made that decision I sold the car I give them a bit of money four thousand just to pay off this twenty thirty thousand pound bill now I've got mm. I've now no car I've no idea how I'm gonna pay my mortgage and uh, there was other things that happened where family and friends needed some money as well and I was the first person to ring because I'm the one with the good job that nobody knows I've just quit so I'm now going right this is great people now I need me and I've now got a bill no car no job fab and a brand new person that I really have fallen in love with so that was an interesting situation do you have any idea what was firing you at that point I mean what I don't know Mm. I almost felt like it was all happening and I was just I can't even barely remember Mm. and that's I think important in itself I can where I am now it's sometimes very hard for me to fully go back and think from where I was Mm. and that makes sense because people that I speak to now and I say well think about where you can be it's it's sometimes difficult when you first start to think about that because you've never been there before Mm. but it's the same looking back because I'm Mm. now such a different place so I mean was that nervous energy or was it excited energy or I think it was a, a combination but I was very calm and I knew everything would work out Mm. and I don't know how I knew that Mm. but I just thought well I either believe it's going to work out or I believe it's going to fail and if I believe it's going to fail it's going to fail so I I better believe it's going to work out and I think that's probably leaning then on what I seen my dad always doing potentially Mm. um so I stepped out I did it I said I'm going to start a multi-million dollar company I'm going to help people all over the world I'm going to be Bob Proctor's number one I'm going to turn my annual into a monthly I mean I was just those last three months in work you did not want to be near me because yeah. <laughs> every other nurse was just like I hate her and she's nuts all at the same time and she's talking rubbish and um, and I mean everyone wished you well but sure. they don't believe that you're going to do that and um, I did and I didn't know how I had no foggy notion it was almost laughable Um, but I knew well if this guy Mr. Bob Proctor knows the science of success and understood has went personally went through it before took him Mm. nine years to figure out how he did it and then he spent 58 years studying and teaching people a simple direct Mm. process I mean we are so lucky for a for a better word uh, because we're not like edison or marconi or the wright brothers who have have to go and work it out by themselves and just trial and error we as a society as a, a, a nation now 
have got the ability to just go and use the blueprint that all those guys used. Sure. And but blend it and meld it in the way that you want because mm. it's just a formula. So I knew in my heart, look, if this guy has helped millions of people all around the world make millions, I don't want millions. I just want to wee, if I could just replace my nursing, mm. that would, that was what I was thinking. I was saying, oh, I'm going to make millions. But actually what the subconscious mind was thinking, if you can just make what you're making in nursing, happy days. Yeah. So that's what I went in with. And... Uh, everything exploded and I did exactly what Bob taught me to do and I was a wee bit scared at the start because I was like I'm not academic I'm not smart how am I going to do this but it was so simple to follow and it was there in a step-by-step system so I just decided I'm going to give it all I'm going to do exactly what I'm told I followed the procedure and step-by-step within the first first five months I'd made my first hundred grand in business which was incredible Uh, I was able to help my family. I was able to pay for my mortgage. I mean, I can tell you a thousand stories of, around that, but essentially I, I'm now the number one in the world with Bob Proctor. I frequently meet at his house and have dinner with him. I could text him right now and he'd be there. We fly around the world on private jets. I mean, it's so funny. Mm-hmm. And yet I'm still Kim from Lurgan, Northern Ireland. <laughs> and I'm still five foot nothing. <laughs> So well, that's um, it's a journey and a half. It really mm-hmm. is. It's multiple. I mean, what do, do you catch yourself now, or do you just do you, do you have an acceptance of where you are, or total acceptance of where I am mm. because that's part of the process. And this is what, where I can really help my clients. When my clients get their first big win, something happens that hasn't normally happened to them before. Your normal reaction is to go, "Woo! This is amazing! This is fantastic! This is great!" And they go up. Mm. Now what goes up must come down. So this is why I say you have to learn to control your energy. If I was to get super excited every time about anything, yeah. I would be on my back most of the time because sure. I'm not controlling my energy. And when you start to learn to be grateful for what you've achieved and be in that place of being present in the now and feeling abundant and grateful for every second, but not thinking this is abnormal Mm. then it will start to even out because Mm. we all have this built-in thermometer and it really dictates the temperature of your life and if you dial that in to really be well this is normal that this is my goal and i'm acting like the person has it it will start to really then be normal for you so i mean like i remember the second time i went on bob's jet first time of course was just like (laughs) amazing but even then we were like no this is normal this is the new norm and you have to get straight into that but the second time it was like getting an uber it was not exciting in the slightest it was just getting another plane and that was really interesting for me because i was like oh now some people who are not maybe aware will look at that and go well you're just taking that for granted oh sure an uber haha it's a private jet like why didn't you just get a normal jet and all the rest of it and it, that's coming from a place of ignorance, not understanding. For me, making it the norm is part of the process mm. of having the success. You mm. must see yourself as the best. You must hold yourself as the best because thoughts turn into things. It's not that things turn into thoughts. So you've got to hold the thought if you want the thing to come. And what society is doing is they're looking at the things, they're looking out with their senses and they're seeing results that they don't want, they're focusing on them, so they keep getting more results. Mm. Whereas if you can start to, okay, the bank 
I can't slow. I'm not saying be silly and ignore it, but don't get emotionally involved in it. Think mm. the bank is low. How can I make more money? Yeah. Whereas most people thought is the bank is low. I'm going to cut back. And you can't cut back and move forward at the same time. Sure. Your first thought should be, what can I create to make more money? And then, okay, what can I create? What do I like? How do I want to create? How do I want to spend my days? And you start to start building the picture mm. around it. And, and that's the beautiful process of it. I mean, that, that speed of acceptance, I mean, and it just, especially in such an extreme example, mm-hmm. is like, you know, first time on a jet, wow. Yeah, you know, second yeah. time is like, yeah. Yeah, totally. <laughs> and and I suppose it's it's almost a slight insight into human acceptance, I suppose, and in, in mm-hmm. experience. Mm-hmm. Once you have the physical picture. Sure. Yeah. You know, and we all do it. Mm. I mean, we 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 live in an environment and we accept it very quickly. It's like probably a lot of people's cars are an absolute tip and you wouldn't want anybody to be in it. But it's suddenly acceptable and mm. you just keep getting into your car and you keep driving around and you just kind of go, oh, yeah, I'll tell you that later. So whilst people might say to me it's very, you know, to be okay and normal to fly on a private jet, mm. I could equally say, well, I'm really shocked that you're settling for that. Mm. <laughs> Do you know? So it's just, again, it's all choice. Everything in life is a choice. Sure. I've just chosen to accept what I feel I'm worth. And, and that's the beauty of it's not about the money it's not about the jet it's not about any of those things it's about I took time to love me to focus on me to live my life how I want and these are all byproducts of happiness mm. um, and that's that makes it a wonderful journey because you're doing it for the real reason for it the proper reason the fulfillment but you also get all of the beautiful things that go with it what would you tell your younger self Oh, go do thinking into results after <laughs> primary school. <laughs> oh, you're still going to primary school though? Yeah, I like primary yeah, school. Yeah. It was good fun. Um, what would I tell my younger self? I would just pat myself on the back and say, you've got this. Hmm. Everyone does. All the answers are already here. Because if the question's here, the answer's here. It's all you've got to do is study the mind. Find somebody, get a mentor and find somebody that's doing what you want to do Mm. and do exactly what they tell you to do. Mm. But only go to somebody who has demonstrated by results. Mm -hmm. Because there's a lot of mentors. There's a lot of people saying a lot of things. Mm. And that is noise. And and people will look at me and go, there's another person. Totally, I get that. Mm. It makes my job harder. But I don't worry about that because I know the right people that need and want to live that life and want to have fulfillment and close that gap they'll find me in some shape or form. So I would just tell my younger self, you're on the right path. And everyone always is, even in the horriblest of times. When I was in that relationship that was awful, I mean, I needed to go through that contrast to realize what I wanted. When you know what you don't want, you know what you do want. So whilst it was painful, whilst I would never want to go back to it, there is no doubt in my mind, we would not be sitting here. Hmm. I would not have helped thousands of people around the world I would still but there's no doubt I'd be still in the same little box office driving the little same box little car doing the same thing taking the annual leave holidays once a year you know spoiling myself maybe sometimes that would be my life there's no doubt about it mm. so you've got to be grateful for the good it's easy to talk about the good times mm. and be all positive then but you've got to be consistent and hold that attitude uh, the entire time which is 
the fun part and I don't always get it right um, but it, it's about being okay with that and you need to feel and you will, will feel. So a couple of things I mean in terms of for people out there you know you're saying mentors is something you, you obviously mentioned quite, quite heavily. Yeah. What else? Studying the right material okay. um, but again that should come down to the mentor understanding that. What else? Uh, taking action okay. before you're ready. So a lot of people think they need to know everything. Mm -hmm. You should start with what you have. Sure. What else? Uh, make decisions fast and change them slowly, if at all, which is the number one success habit. Mm -hmm. uh, always reflect on your picture. What is it that you want? So like I, I draw out my picture. I write it out. I draw it out. I think about it all of the time. I would say every month you should go back and from scratch. Like every month... I will draw out my entire business model as if I've just created it. Okay. Because I'm always looking for the gaps. I'm always looking for how can I serve my clients better? How can I give more? Mm. Or is there an improvement? And adding to my picture as well, you know, okay, you, sometimes you can be so busy doing the work that you forgot to live. So you've got to make sure there's a balance. You've got to make sure that when you're working, you're working. And when you're off, you're off. Mm. Um, Always have a date night. That is number one. And I have given that advice to so many people that saved marriages. Introduce one date night a week mm -hmm. uh, where you and your partner go and do something. Mm. Or if you stay at home, watch a film. But that has been hugely important to living a happy, balanced life as well. Well, it's quite something. So what uh, goals-wise? Goals-wise? What's coming up for the... Oh, so, so, so many. Without spoiling the broth, of course. Yeah, of course. Well, I mean, my ultimate <clears throat> goal is to, as I say, waking people up all over the world. That's mm. that's my purpose. That's my passion. That's what I will do. There's no doubt about that. Um, and I want to earn millions doing that. I mm. want to move from having £4.20 in my pocket to, to earning £4.2 a month every month for the rest of my life. And some people would say, well, Kim, why do you need that money? I don't. But money is there for two reasons. One, to keep you comfortable, live a lovely life, and two, extend the good that you do to others. Mm. So I can do so much better for other people if I've got more money. And it's you should it's your right to be rich and you're born to be rich. So that's that's element of it. Um I'm just about to move into my dream home. Um, which is really exciting because uh, one of my goal cards, I always carry my goal cards with me. I might put them in my bag, but it's all about moving into my new dream home and cooking Christmas dinner there. And at the start of the year, I had no idea how that was going to happen. But we've just purchased our beautiful, beautiful new home, and we'll be moving in there in November time. Fabulous. Which is absolutely a major tick off the box, which is great. Um, and I'll be working with Bob a lot closer over the night next kind of couple of years so really for me it's building business mm -hmm. you know and um living my life traveling the world i mean i've been in probably nearly 20 different countries this year alone and it's only august and i have another five to go to before <laughs> the end of the year so yeah it's to build on me be a better version of me give mm -hmm. more to my clients spread this all over the world and let it unfold as it should and how it will hmm. that's pretty much my goals well favorite dinner favorite meal oh you're talking about food now Pete. Yeah, well i'm quite renowned for being obsessed with sushi and japanese food i love that um but any food i'm a big foodie fan and so I'm starter, what are we having? well if i was having a starter oh mm. 
Something with goat's cheese, maybe. Okay. Mains is... Goat's cheese where? Is there a certain location? Uh, favorite restaurant in Belfast would probably be Muddler's. Okay. Love that. Love a wee trip there. Love. So, like, I'll fly all over the world just to get food. <laughs> I remember saying to Lindsay one night, oh, I'm going to take you to our favorite restaurant. I'm going to take you to my favorite restaurant tomorrow night. <coughs> she was like, right, okay. And then I flew her to, where did we go? Scotland to the witchery in Edinburgh, which is amazing. Wow. Um, so I, I, I believe it's about the experiences. Sure. So in everything that we do, I always wanted to leave an emotional experience because that's yeah. what we're seeking in the first place. So uh, even some of my high-end multi-million dollar clients, you know, I was talking to one the other day and he really wanted to make his wife happy and he was arranging speedboats and diamonds and all sorts. And I was like, why don't you go and hand make her a picnic? Take your brand new beautiful sports car if you want mm. and go to a park mm. and just let me know how that goes. And it was the best day that I'd ever had. So I don't I don't lose the, that touch because that's the most important element. Um, so yeah, maybe just a picnic, Pete. We could do mm. that. <laughs> <laughs> and in terms of, you know, what what way do you learn? I mean, what if something... Study. You okay. have... I mean, it's not difficult. You've got to study mm. the right material. Mm. You've got, it. and if that material isn't talking about paradigms, sure. frequencies, vibrations, the laws of the universe, mm -hmm. then forget about it. No, I'm not saying forget about it forever. Mm. Because if I'm in property, or if I'm in, like, I've a pro golfer that that is mentored by me, I'm not saying don't go and practice your golf. Mm but you've got to practice the energy and the mindset. It's in every business, in every sport, in anything. It's 95% mindset, 5% strategies in everything. And yet you look around the world, you look around any entrepreneur or business, they're obsessed with strategies. True. I'm going to get the best funnel. I'm going to get the best website. I'm going to do the best Facebook ads. And there's courses popping up all around the place. And I go, well, rock on. But you're not programmed to earn money. You have a lack of limiting mindset. So you go and spend the money that mm. you've borrowed on a thing that's not going to make a button of difference because you got to think differently first. Thoughts turn into things. So you got to understand the right material and then you got to study it. Mm. And study doesn't mean I'm going to read this book. Brilliant, I know it. Now, we think that's study because that's what school taught us to do. Mm. Gather information. But that's all that it is, and that stays in your consciousness. To get into the subconscious, it's through spaced repetition with the right stuff. So that's why if you get a mentor, then you're gonna get mentored through it, you're gonna to be told what stuff you need, and you're gonna be kept accountable. And that's the critical component, doing it with a mastermind of like-minded people, meeting up, hanging out with those sorts of people. Uh, that's how you're gonna just take five years ahead of the game within six months. Wow. That's yeah. I mean that 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 sort of um, speed of expansion, speed of growth, is, yeah. is phenomenal. Oh, it's amazing! I'm I mean, so exciting. Do you see that continuing? Oh, without a doubt, it's just going to get better and better mm. and better. It's like learning to ride a bike. Mm. I just feel like I got my stabilizers off. I'm ready for the stump pegs. <laughs> <laughs> um, I am so excited. I mean, even in this this year, this first quarter of the year doubled all of last year. Huh. And yet I was able to do it in a quarter of a year. Mm. And again, I'm not excited about what that means financially. What I'm excited about is 
I have worked on me, on my potential, mm. on my ability to completely multiply what I what it took me a year to do last year. Sure. I did it in less time with less work. Now, I've never met anybody in this planet that doesn't want to do better with less time and less work. And, and we know the secret to that. So that's what I do. So as I say, I'm still a student of the material. Bob's yeah. still a student of the material. And I'm still learning. And that's why I'm number one in the world because I still invest in me. Every successful entrepreneur or mentor that I've ever respected or met mm. has always said, when you get money, invest it in yourself first. Yeah. Don't invest it in other streams of income. Don't invest it even in your business. Put it into you. Mm -hmm. Then you start to work it on your business. And then you can start to create multiple streams of income. I've spent hundreds of thousands on my brain. Now, if you'd have told that to the Kim four years ago, <laughs> I would have laughed at you. One, sure. I wouldn't have had the hundreds of thousands. And two, I definitely wouldn't have spent it on books. <laughs> so there's something to be said about it. And the results that we're going to create the foundations and charity organizations that we're going to have for young people is just going to be sensational mm. over the next kind of couple of years. Well, so leisure and pleasure. Where would you be? What do you do? Uh, just look at my life. I travel all the time. Mm. Um, I, I, this is another good tip that I give to, again, anybody that comes to work with me is plan your life around holidays. Mm. Because I think we look at holidays totally the wrong way now people are so book a holiday because i need a break book a holiday because i'm stressed out no what about book a holiday to go on a holiday mm. to explore different cultures to spend time with your loved ones we do it for the wrong reasons so then when we get there we don't have that much of relaxation um so i book everything around holidays i plan my work around holidays because then that's my little gift to me and then it makes lovely <coughs> periods of gonna you know focus on the business here and then i'm gonna take this time off then i'm gonna focus here and take that time off i don't have to work very much anymore because i have set up my business in a very smart way hmm. and i leverage my time and there is leverage and alignment when you're aligned with your energy you're gonna know all the ways to to leverage your business out so you don't have to work the same which wow. is fab do you know what that's been most enlightening and thank Good. you very much for your time you're um, welcome wow what a journey and, and, and yeah it's been an absolute pleasure to have you here today Good. so yeah thank you very much um, not a problem all the best for the future and everything else we look forward to having you on in a couple of years time when oh, doing is what stratosphere you've had at that point you know, absolutely so. and you can just follow along on our facebook and yeah so where do we find you where do we go so dynamite lifestyle is the company uh, you can join our closed facebook community where everybody is in masterminding and mingling and that's the dynamite effect page okay. on facebook or you can email me at explode at dynamitelifestyle.com perfect kim thank you very much indeed thank much appreciated well that was another great episode of fire in the belly you know, this really wouldn't be possible without our great guests taking the time to share their personal journeys. And boy, boy, sometimes it is personal. It's an absolute pleasure to have that and then to hear the journeys that people have been on. We've loads more episodes coming up soon and it's always a pleasure to have guests on. If you do happen to know anyone with true fire in their belly, please reach out to us so we can share their journey, lessons and successes. So all that's left to say is have a great day, live with fire in your belly and be the mightiest version of you. 